0: Of Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, along with my co-host Chris K, and this week we're going head to head with a couple of classics for you as we pit Dawkins' second album, Tooth and Nail, versus Rat's full-length debut out of the cellar. These
1: two bands came out of the early 80s glam scene and quickly became MTV darlings when that actually meant something. While both albums went platinum. Only one can come out on top tonight as we break down each album song by song to see which one we think is better.
0: And as a reminder to you all, if you like what you hear today, click on the subscribe button and we'll give you a new episode each week so you can hear our most valued opinions on some of your favorite heavy metal bands. And this week, it's Dokken versus Rat, Rat versus Dokken, Tooth & Nail versus Out of the Cellar. Um, it's basically two classic glam metal albums from the 80s, Going head to head, they both came out the same year. And I think that's one of the reasons that well that's the biggest reason why I, I picked these two these two albums. Because they both came out in eighty-four. And both of these albums went platinum or or multi-platinum, depending on which album we're talking about. And they they just really were all over the airwaves, all over MTV. And this was this this was a big year for, for Glam Metal. Um, so
1: I I mean I'm not a huge fan of the the glam scene. It's it's uh, something that you know if I hear some songs from that time period I I don't tend to switch them. Uh, but at the same time I don't own a lot of these albums, so this is a new experience for me. Um, specifically listening to these these two albums in their entirety, I had never heard them before. I've heard select songs off of them. Um, but the glam scene is something that I, you know, it was before my time, essentially, being born in 86. So, you know, most of the music that I was I was privy to was, you know, the start of the, the grunge era, you know, 90s metal, like stuff like um, Metallica, etc., where, you know, bands were hanging on. And uh, it wasn't until later, you know, a little bit later in my life that I got into... You know some of these bands, but um, yeah, it's uh,
0: it's it was an interesting experiment, I would say. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a better experiment than what you, or a better uh, experience. Let's put put that that way. Better experience this week than you had last week. I'm assuming. (laughs) Sure. After after last week's metalcore uh, episode, you'd be surprised. So. Well, well, no, I mean, look, there's, there's obviously there's good things about everything that we've listened, that we listen to. Um, and there's always something good to take away from it, even though there's certain parts of it that we may or may not like.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, like I mentioned last week, I found, you know, several things to like in, in the music, even though it wasn't really my thing. Um, and I will probably do so today, but I'm not going to spoil
0: anything. <laughs> All right. So. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go first because out of the cellar, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to lead without a cellar from rat and that, that was released, uh, earlier in the year. So docking came out later in the year. So that is, uh, we'll go with that timeline. Um, and just a, a brief little history on rat. Um, basically they, they had debuted, well, they had been part of the LA metal, the metal glam scene for a while a um, couple years at this point, and they put out their own independent EP in 1983 called Rat. It had six songs on it. Uh, it got picked up by Atlantic Records, and they re-released it. Actually, they remastered it, um, and then re-released it, and they kind of repackaged it a little bit. They changed the back cover. Um, the, the They changed the picture of the band. The, the picture was more uh, something that was associated with out of the cellar era rat than uh the original rat that came out in, in on that first album but uh then when uh when it got picked up they basically uh, Atlantic Records basically said all right well let's go ahead and get into the studio let's put out your first full-length record that is what we have here out of the cellar came out March 27th 1987 it's produced by Bo Hill and And it was released, as I said, on Atlantic Records. And it was recorded at the Village Recorder and Sound City Studios in Los Angeles, California. And for those of you who uh, may or may not know, the cover is graced by the late Toni Katane. As uh, she was a friend of the band's. And she also appeared on the original Rat EP. Those are her legs with the little mouse next to them. So... Wasn't she,
1: am I mistaken, wasn't she in a relationship with Robin, um...
0: Crosby? Crosby. Maybe she was. I don't know. <laughs> She's, well, I mean, it was only a few years later that she was in a relationship with David Coverdale, but I don't know. I, I can't remember.
1: Yeah, he was. Uh, Crosby was dating actress, actress Tawny Catane. Who would go on to appear in several White Sneak videos at the time he joined Rat. And she appears on the cover, like you said, of Rat EP and Out of the Cellar. And then she went on to, you know, date uh, Coverdale.
0: Appear on the hood of Coverdale's car. (laughs) If that's how you want to put it. Yep, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this album, um, what do we got here? Ten songs I think we got. Yep, both albums are 10 songs. Both albums are 10 songs. All right, cool. So let's start it off with Rat's first song here on this album, Wanted Man. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting way to start an album. It had backwards drums that intro the beginning of the song. Actually, the, the backwards drums ends the song too. Uh, which is a, a unique way, but it starts off with backward drums or backward drumming, or, you know, they flip the tape, basically. Um, it's got a cool little catchy riff to start off with, um, and, you know, once it get, hits that riff, then once the, the chorus starts, it slows down to a kind of a quiet, clean guitar that slowly builds as the verse goes on and then gets gets into the chorus. It's catchy chorus. I mean, I, I like the song a lot. Um, the solo's pretty good. It's catchy it's a little memorable and I like how it interplays with the chorus uh, af- after it comes in with the rest of the song or throughout the rest of the song um, after the, after the solo's over
1: you know um, I don't I don't recall if you mentioned you said it was the second single off the album uh, I did not but
0: it is the second single off the album
1: gotcha um, so the highlight for me is definitely the solo uh, I think the main rip main rip, Wow. Main riff being broken up by, you know, some of the softer guitar strums has kind of a cooler effect. You know, I guess it was supposed to be kind of a Western theme as, as went with the video. Um, the vocals, man, they're just so middling. Um, you know, I, it's no offense to anybody that likes Stephen Pierce's vocals, but I think at this point in his career, like, at least t- at, towards the end of the song, he's hitting some higher notes to kind of vary things up, but he just kind of stays right there in the middle, which is something that happens a lot through this album.
0: He found a pocket and didn't want to leave. He did. I get he, that. He did not ever want to leave. He wanted to stay there <laughs> for the rest of his career. I mean, granted, give the guy the benefit of the doubt in that regard that you know, he at least f- knew his lane and did not decide he wanted to stretch out of it because he knew he was not going to excel at that. So I give him credit for that. You know, he doesn't seem like he had the strongest voice in terms of, you know, screaming and yelling or or having that 80s wail that a lot of other singers had coming, especially coming out of the L.A. glam scene. So... Uh he didn't have the voice like Doc and he didn't have the voice like uh what's his face um Vince neil um so he just he stayed in his lane, and I like that Vince Neal didn't even have the voice like Vince Neal because he sounded different on every album it, that's true, <laughs> but he could scream, yeah. that was the one thing he could scream <laughs> <laughs> who's that that's Vince Neal is it really? All right, song number two, You're in Trouble. Um, okay, so I don't know. It, it, sta- it starts off with something like a jungle sound or a zoo sound or something. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, then it just has has this bass and drum intro, you know, that, that starts off the song, uh, comes in a little short solo, and then, boom, the verse. Okay, that works. Um what I do like about rat and I, what I like about Steven Piercey, regardless of his vocal limitations is that he does have a really good mind for melody and he does have some really good uh, vocal lines throughout the album, throughout the career really. And 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 so he, he's got a very melodic voice and he has a very good way of writing those melodies into his, you know, into his vocal lines. Uh, I give him that. Um, but you know, again, the limitations of the of, of his voice can only get you so far, but that's fine. He's had he's made a great career. Um, it's got a really catchy pre-chorus on here, and the chorus is also catchy. So um, you got a simple bridge that leads into the guitar solo, where uh, "Hey, Hey" is chanted at the beginning of it, and then the solo fits, but it f- for the most part, it's nothing to write home about.
1: I mean I like the solo. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Um you know, I it starts off with kind of this bass focus. Um like I guess what that's
0: what you're mentioning when you say the jungle sound. Um it, No, no, I'm talking like there was like a little actual like weird sound at the beginning. Okay. And then, and then the bass and drums come in, you know, it's got some funky bass.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, so there's the bass playing, and then, but there's this kind of underlying vocal, um, not chanting or anything, but like there's this noise. That's the best way I can put it. So I get, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, you know, the, the vocals are a little better, better here. You, you mentioned like he, melodic, um, what I would say is he's kind of bending the notes a bit, which is um, a little bit more dynamic than what we heard on "Wanted Man." Um, you know, it's it's another kind of simple as can be riff, but
0: it works and it's fine. <laughs> I mean, what what I'm trying to get at with with Piercy is is he does he does have like I mean I'm pretty you know they they, they write this down as. The whole band arranges the songs, but someone has to, is the songwriter, and it's pretty dominantly um, Warren D Martini, Robin Crosby, and and Stephen Piercy does probably most of the lyrics, if not all the lyrics, and maybe adds a little bit of music to it. I don't know, um, but I, I'm pretty sure Piercy's the one that's writing all the lyrics, so he's the one coming up with the melody lines and. And I think they come out, they, they're, they're catchy. I mean, this whole album is catchy. You know, is it, is it great? Oh, well, it's so, you know, it's great to some people, but I think it's all all really built on the power of this next song, which is Round and Round. That's the single. That's the song of the franchise. That's the way, I mean, if, if it's not for this song, Rat doesn't exist. If it's not for this song, Rat's no longer around. Okay, you could have this album, take this album out. This is not a, tr- a three million selling album without that song. Um, the song is really, really catchy. It's It's got a cool melody line, got a catchy chorus. Um, the solo is pretty cool. Uh, what I like a lot about the solo is that it actually goes into a harmony part that, that makes the solo even better. And you know and it's famous for its video it's famous for its commercial that came out on Geico just a few years ago so it's 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 uh like I said it is the song of the franchise
1: yeah i mean it's you like you said the lead off single from the album um I think if you've heard any classic rock radio, you've probably heard this song the main riff's pretty great and it's an iconic you know opening riff um which is repeated so it goes throughout the song binding it together uh the solo is definitely one of the best on the album you mentioned the harmony part which yeah that's it's great um this is if if there's any song like there's a lot of bands that are one hit wonders and they have one song that's absolutely great um not saying that rad is uh, but what i'm saying is like um this is one of those songs that if they never wrote any other song, they could persevere off of this track. So it is Absolutely. it is the highlight of the album. Yeah.
0: I mean, like I said, without this song, this this album really isn't that uh, uh, platinum uh, selling. It might be, you know, it might go gold or something like that because it's got other good songs on it. But as being like a 3 million platinum, it's it's built on this song um and sometimes and that's, that's not all to take it takes. Away. exactly i mean you know it, you you mentioned something about one hit wonder and in reality if you go up to someone today and you ask them you know what do you think of this band and 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 play round and round they're gonna they're gonna instantly pick up on it you play any other song from rat and they're not gonna know who it is you know and that that's not to 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 take away from them because they had hits Cause their, their greatest hits, 81 to 91 album that came out. I mean, it's loaded with hits. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those greatest hits albums that they literally just did the singles, the hits, the, the, the good songs. And it's a great album. Like if anybody ever wants to get a, a red album, that is the album to get. Cause it has everything on it up, up until I think detonator. And that really is uh, at that point, all that matters. So, um, but anyway, we get, we get back to this album, um, in your directions, the next song. Um, I like the intro riff. Uh, it the song itself builds nicely. Uh, the verse riff changes the song a little bit, um, and the verses it's all right for me. I mean, overall, this this song is a feels like a filler song for me. Um, and what I what what it really comes down to is this song to me is flat. It's there's no energy behind it. There's no motivation to it. Um, but oddly enough, the song, when it gets to the solo, it changes. It becomes a little bit more energetic. It it, it changes the beat. It changes the rhythm. And then it kind of goes back to the main thing that was flat to begin with. So it's a weird song. Um, the, the best part of the song is the solo. And it's not that great of a solo to begin with. It's just the, the solo section is better.
1: I mean I would I would disagree as far as the solo goes. I, I actually do like Rat's solos. I think Robin Crosby was a really great player. Um and Warren T. Martini, I you know, I I had seen him um do a couple things where it was just him playing, and I wasn't like super impressed, but I could tell he was like he obviously I he's impressive. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I can't play guitar that's you know, a whole nother world than I live in. But, um, but, as far as comparatively to some of the other guitar players, which I really follow, um I know he never blew me away, but hearing them in the context of the songs, that was one thing that I picked up on that I, I actually really did like throughout this album um but this song you know, it solely relies on this in your direction line where and it's so basic like. All he says is in your direction with some backing vocals on it. That's that's supposed to be the hook. It it just it's miserable. Like I vow to never listen to this song for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. Um,
0: yeah, at least it has the, the solo in it. <laughs> that that wow, that is a strong. <laughs> strong statement to say that you vow to never <laughs> listen to this song again that is that's that is uh, that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> I, like i said the song is flat to me i mean the the best part of the solo or the best part of the song is the solo section the solo oh, put it this way okay the, all their solos are cool you know Martini and crosby are are very good guitar players. And I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from anybody who is actually a professional musician who actually makes money on this and goes out there, you know, because everyone bags on, on Lars Ulrich. Yeah, we get it, but guess what? He's a professional drummer. He gets on stage every single night and brings it. Okay. It may not be the way you want to hear as far as, you know, it's not uh, a, a Dave Lombardo. It's not, you know any of those great drummers but he is what metallica is and so he plays he is a professional drummer he gets paid a lot of money to play drums and so do these guys not as much anymore but um you know i like crosby and Martini. Uh, i think i think demartini is pretty cool i always liked his look um that he had and he played well and he he backed it up You know, there's other things that are unfortunate with the whole situation, but um, let's move on because this was a really eh song. Um, Song number five, which ends side one, is She Wants Money. Um, The energy comes back on this up tempo rocker. Absolutely much better song. It's got a real catchy riff that mimics the chorus. Uh, That's pretty cool. And then uh, it's very nice and melodic. The chorus is, is, is anthemic um almost call and response um so uh i i think that's this song is much better uh, direction that they're going in
1: <laughs> uh i mean it had a nice opening riff <laughs> this <The> song sucks <laughs> 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 okay so my, my the the lyrics are terrible. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Like she wants money. That's great. Okay.
0: I I got to say that the the, the lyrics <clears throat> the lyrics for a lot of the songs on this album aren't great. They don't there get better any better than on the, this
1: one for sure.
0: Yeah, no, there are some that are better. The but as a whole, uh lyrically You know, Stephen Pierce, not the most profound and deep lyricist that's out there. Um, And the albums in the in the future don't get much better uh, lyrically. Um, I think there's one album that gets a little bit more mature. uh, I believe that's Dancing Undercover. But other than that, um, it's 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 right. It's it's glam metal, you know, so what, what can you expect? You know, Motley Crue wasn't much deeper either.
1: You know? no but somehow better
0: yes somehow better absolutely but there's a lot more to it than just that yeah Um. alright so we flip the album over and we go to side 2 and side 2 starts off with the song Lack of Communication Um, I love this riff I mean this is a really cool song and it's funny because I've listened to this song hundreds of times and you know I have lots of good things to say about the song it's a relatively simple song the verses are melodic I like how the, the chorus it's a little different style of, of songwriting as far as the strong structure is concerned because literally the chorus is after each and every verse um it's like almost part of the verse um you know and then it has a bridge that leads into an extremely. Short, so I think it beats Shadows Falls ten seconds solo from from the the last episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's short. I, I did. I'm, I'm thinking that.
0: no more than five seconds on this <laughs> solo. You know, I I didn't time it because I, I ran out of time to to when I was looking at. it. So that's the thing I was trying to get at though when I when I was singing. I've I've listened to this song countless times, a hundred times, whatever it is. I never realized how short that solo was until tonight and I, I the 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 song just listening to the fact that this the solo is so short everything changed for me on this song i this is a great song and then this the, the fact that the solo is so short really does this song a disservice i think this song could have been bigger huge if it had a solo in it you know it, it I, 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 what do you feel about this song So the opening riff is all right.
1: Um, You know, it's got a lot of the the heavy gang vocals, which kind of gives it a unique kind of cool vibe at moments. Um, You know, and there's some varied tones in the vocals, which is also kind of unique because there's, there's a lot, like I said, where he stays kind of at one place. But, you know, this wasn't bad. I think I think okay. I'm in agreement with you. Like a longer solo would be nice. You know, it's it's one of the singles. I I feel like if it did have a solo, um, comparative to maybe round and round, you know, something along those lines, it would have been a bigger single.
0: Yeah, I mean, it if if you because they're talented enough, Demartini and Crosby, they put a great solo throughout some of the songs on this album and and this was obviously specifically we're, we're pointing at round and round as well and to sit there and have this song which pretty much kicks ass in my opinion to not have a solo it it it, it could have kicked more ass if you want to put it that way it could have kicked a bigger ass it could have driven us to maybe three four or five times platinum and it's weird to say it that way how one little section of a song could do that but a lot of times it's it's part of that song that makes it memorable whereas this thing goes into you know it goes like off and then it it, it literally goes into a five second solo and it goes back into the chorus and it's like but it's because it's so fast it almost feels like it's rushing through as opposed to letting the solo come in kind of give everybody a pause and then you know, go on. So that's that's where not having a solo or having a very minute solo is de- detracting from the song. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we move on. Um, song number seven on the album is Back For More. All right, so this song is, is unique... Uh, for Rat in a ways. This is a, a re recorded version of a song that appeared on their first EP, the Rat EP. Um it's it has an acoustic intro. I think it's pretty cool, but it has some really hard hitting uh chords that, that kinda complement the acoustics part of it. Um and then it goes into this, you know, waltzy kind of verse, which is kind of cool and and it it's almost um uh, it's almost uh Uh, It's not dissonant but there's a lot of stuff going on the bass is he's plucking away the drums got a funky little beat going on um and the reason i say i pick on the bass in this one is that what i like about this song is that the original um mix or the original version of the song so i I, i'm gonna say this is a re-recorded version but i can't be for certain it could be that they just took the tapes and remixed it. I'm not sure. But um the original that came out on the EP, I like that mix a lot better. It's a lot more raw. And because of that, you know, you hear the bass being plucked, in it, and it has this, like, one note that literally, like, flies off the song. And and it's just, like, out of nowhere, you hear this weird note that gets plucked. I think I, I, I like that part of it. But... um you know that's most people are not going to know that there's another version of it um but overall i think the song is pretty cool um i believe it should have been a single um it wasn't necessarily a a promoted single but i i do think it got picked up by some people well, what what's your opinion on this song i mean i was
1: familiar with it i had heard it like on the radio and stuff before um so I've actually heard it more than some of the other singles that were on the album. Um, you know, let's be honest. I'd be fine if they weren't back for more at this point. Um, <laughs> but jokes aside, you know, it's it's an all right riff. Um, the, the It's got a memorable vocal melody, it, which is unique because most of them there's not really vocal melody. It's just... Him staying at one note. Um, so, Melody, you know, I'm happy to hear it. Um, you know, and it's got another nice solo. I, I agree with you. I think this probably should have been a, a single as well. Because it's, it's one of the stronger songs on the album.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, it, it's definitely... It's, it's one of the songs I think they should have done something more with it. But uh, it is what it is at this point. What are we talking... 28 years down the road. Yeah. Or they can four, release no,
1: it as, 30, as a single 30, now. 30, 38 years down the road. So <laughs> they can release it as a single
0: now. Well, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah, Make get some money to the estate, the Robbins estate. <laughs> All right. Um, the next song, the morning after song number eight on the album. Um, I like the the, the intro riff. I like that cool galloping riff that it starts off with. Um, it's, the song starts off really well. You know, it's got a melodic verse on it. Um, and the chorus is relatively simple, but it's catchy. There's it, something that they, they almost kind of over, overproduced the vocals on this one a little bit. Um, it's very, very... Uh, the whole song is, feels kind of compressed, but it's also... seems like it's it's re- uh, the song itself is, is was recorded and arranged in a higher key. I, I don't know if i'm if i'm talking out of my ass here and i just something weird about the song even though it's got a cool riff um and the funny thing about this song is that you know right going into the into the solo steven says say bye like see ya I'm out of here. I'm not gonna be part of you because apparently the, the 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 girl in the story is kind of like some model of some sort, and he's just like dumping her. You know, and it's just a weird, you know, I don't know, weird dynamic on the song. What, what do you think?
1: He's, he's trying to be a high profile man that you know, or high oh, value yeah. man. I mean.
0: Um, <laughs> you know,
1: I I I wrote down. That I liked the galloping pace as well. Um, the you know it's overall good. The some harmony vocals kind of helped it for me as a whole. One of the better tracks on the album, I would say, with one of the better solos. Like this solo, had they put it in, you know, back for more or um, lack of communication, probably would have been helpful. Um, but I ended up liking this song more than a lot of the others, to be honest.
0: Yeah, the the solo is is kind of cool, um, and it has the harmony part towards the end of the solo mm-hmm. where, where both guys are playing together. So that's the one thing that I really I, I think I wish they had done more is, of. Yeah, they they I wish they had done more of it, and then not just on this album in general. I mean, you th- you see all these guitar players that are dual, you know, We we talked about it. We had a big four about it. You know, a few weeks back. It's it's one of these things where bands really need to do that because it's something that really is attractive to the ear and it's a it's a, it's attractive to the listener and th- those are the kinds of things that bring people in you know Queensryche is, is famous for that Striper famous for that um you know and then just having you know a song here and there when you have two su- two such strong guitar players it, and that's the other thing too like they you don't you don't hear a lot of solos trading off back and forth like when you have two lead guitar players you normally have like two solos or at least two sections and you don't get that a lot out of this and i, I think that that's one of the downs downsides to to uh to rat in this particular case um but anyway i thought maybe move because
1: on. this was such an early album that maybe that was you know part of that but
0: if you're saying they didn't really ever develop into it, wow! I, you know, not that I know of, and it, it they had. I mean, so put it this way: I like Rat. Rat. You know, when this album came out, and then the the next album came out after him, you know, they did three. They did uh, so they did the EP, So They had a bunch of records consecutively in the in the '80s, and you know they they had this one in '84. So they had the EP. In '83, '84, the then they got Invasion of your Privacy in '85, Dancing Undercover, in, excuse me, Dancing Undercover in '86, which came out in late '86. So then they literally took a year or so off or whatever, and they released um, Reach for the Sky in '88, and then a couple of years later, uh, Detonator. Um, I don't recall them getting that much more mature. To be able to do those kinds of things and and do two solos or extended solos, I don't recall that. Mm. Um, so, I think they kept the the um, the youthful exuberance on "Invasion of Your Privacy." I think they got a little bit more mature on "Dancing Undercover" because the the song "Body Talk," I believe, ended up being in a Nettie Murphy movie. Um, so, you know, then you know, uh, reach for this. I think it didn't do as well as they expected it to do. Um, especially with the fact that it was in uh, that one song was in the movie. So they ended up taking some time off after a tour, um, reach for the sky came out a couple years later. Again, I don't, I don't think there was a, a lot of, uh, advancement in the songwriting structures that they had, but I could be wrong. You know, maybe we'll, we'll follow this up next week and I'll let you know I was wrong or I was right. anyway, um, the next song is I'm insane song number nine uh cool little chugging intro riff uh, got another nice vocal melody catchy chorus little up tempo the title of the song though it's pretty cool it acts like a bridge right before the solo um it they they change it they change it up a little bit right there as they create a bridge but they use the 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 title of the song uh, and and part of the chorus as part of the bridge uh, I think the solo is pretty cool on this uh, on this particular song um, it's kind of a short song so it it, it 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 comes and goes just as fast as you hear it
1: uh, so it was featured in the Mickey Rourke film The Wrestler along with Round and Round and you know it has a decent riff uh, it reminds me a little bit like like if Ultimate Warrior had gone and wrestled in the Indies or something he could have used this as his theme song um you know it has a, another good solo but it's
0: pretty unremarkable otherwise okay now now the last song on the album is the song scene of the crime um that nice harmony intro with a melody to it um again more melodic verses that's an interesting story in the lyrics um but the song it it this song doesn't hold up to today's standards because of the way that the chorus uses the word bitch in it. Um, so it's not like it would get a lot of radio airplay or it would even be added to an album nowadays. Um, but back then that was not a big deal. Fine Um, on a gangster rap album. Yeah. Gangster rap. This isn't gang. Gangsta LA glam. (laughs) Gangsta glam. (laughs) Um, and it's weird so the the song however ends very similarly to how it begins um but they made a, sh- a strange choice instead of ending the song you know outright they actually faded out so it's kind of weird because it's it's it picks up on the same kind of harmony parts at the beginning and then it just decides it wants to fade out as opposed to ending the song like the the opposite of how it begins, so i I found that to be a strange choice. What do you think
1: um so we're finally at the finish line and the scene of the crime <laughs> um who can I arrest for making me sit through this
0: <laughs> that, that would that would be me
1: <laughs> um you know it's all right. I would say it's you know boring at best uh middling first solo but the second solo in harmony is much better. It's it's pretty good. Um
0: I'm glad this is over. <laughs> All right, so so here's my synopsis on this thing here. Um there's and you're going to disagree with me to this. There is a lot to like on this album, but it's more like flashes in the pan than it is an overall cohesive unit um it has its faults it has its shortcomings we've expressed the shortcomings of Stephen pierce's vocals we've expressed the, the the songwriting styles that they've chosen and, and not doing things that actually would ap- would appeal to other people in using the skills that they have amazingly enough this album went on to sell three million copies um and that to me is totally due on the fact that they had the two singles that were on MTV wanted man and round and round and um, round and round and round is just enormous. It's huge. It's a giant song and it's still around today. That's, that's how big of a song it, it, it is, was, and will ever be because it's, it just has that staying power. Um, but as overall, the, the, the album itself is, 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 built on the strength of three, maybe four songs and some catchy riffs. um, It's not something to me that is going to be, it's not, I don't think it's their best album, but it, it's, you know, it's 3 million seller. What do you do?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 blows me away that it sold as much as it did, but you know, there are a lot of albums out there that go based on the strength of one single and you know, there's there's bands that you know put out a song that's not even indicative of their typical style, and it'll it'll sell like crazy, and people go, "Oh my god, well, they don't sound anything." This one single I like, but that's that's what happens. So you know, it's it's a matter of good timing sometimes. It's a matter of a good push from MTV at the time, et cetera. So you know, it sold what it sold, and and power to them. Um, But I got to say, after listening to this album, I hate Rat Um, (laughs) (laughs) more more and more than ever. uh, And I got and I got to say, Stephen Piercy is a big part of that. His bland, soulless vocals uh, just kill anything good for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you you kind of made the observation that like and this was us talking separately, um, that in a bubble, you know that each song is fine, you know, it, and and it really is in a way. Like if you listen to one of these songs at a time, the the vocals aren't really a problem. It's when you put it all together that it starts to really bother me. It becomes very samey, um, and you know, I I gotta go back to what I said earlier. The 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 guitars, the lead guitars from. Both Warren Demartini and Robin Crosby are very enjoyable. Um, they they could push it a little further, like you mentioned. Uh, it would be nice to have more of those harmony guitar parts. I'm not sure why they chose not to do that, but um, you know the moments that they did were very good. Uh, so there's it's not all bad, and I and I'm joking a lot here, obviously, but but. I have to be honest. Like I, I'd, I'd be fine if I've never heard Radigan in my life, um, and it uh, round and round. Don't get me wrong; it's a great song, and I'm I'm completely fine with it. Um, here's the twist, though. I'm um, looking for my my big four tracks. I did go through all the albums trying to find at least listening to the singles and, you know, going through and trying to find something that I enjoyed and it was hard. Uh, don't get me wrong. It really, for me, it was not super fun. Um, but when we get to my big four, you might be surprised by some of the s- songs I picked and I was able to
0: find some stuff that I actually didn't enjoy. There you go. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, you know, like we've talked about in a bubble, yes. And it's funny because <clears throat> when you when you do that, and you you take a song individually, you you listen. I mean, look at Round and Round in particular. You listen to a song like that; it's it's kind of like almost exciting. It's it's a it's a cool song. It's got all these great elements to it: harmony, melody, everything. And you know, then then there's other times you listen to. You'll, you'll hear Wanted Man. It's not an up-tempo song. So what is it that's catchy? Well, there's what is it about it that people like? Well, it's catchy. It's melodic. It's all the things that you want to hear in a song to some degree. But it's slower. You know, lack of communication has a lot of those good elements. You know? And so, you know, it's a it's a faster song. It's, it's more up-tempo. But when you put them all together in the same line... Then all of a sudden it's like yeah you're, you're, you're the 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 line goes up and down, but it stays in a very very limited range, and so that 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 you when you're listening to it over and over and over again because you're trying to review an album then you see like oh yeah it's it's very monotonous,
1: so I just I don't feel like they were trying to write an album I just feel like they were trying to write songs, and you know, that's maybe that's how it works with a lot of bands. And then they end up finding some cohesion, et cetera. Um, but I, but that's kind of the way I felt about it as I was listening to it was, this was not an album. It, one song was not dependent on another. There was nothing that really like said, this all links together in some way. There were just a bunch of songs that were thrown on there, all trying to, to hit the, uh, the center of the
0: dartboard, you know, trying to hit a, a, a a hit and, and, and I, I just to, to, to kind of hit something on what you're saying a lot of debut albums because essentially that's what this is it's at full length um, usually have a lot of songs that have been written over time um, that have been practiced in front of an audience and, and or have been premiered in front of an audience and, and played obviously Guns and Roses is a big example and um, th- this band, unlike other bands that kind of have a, have this ability to kind of grow into their songwriting, they, they hit it out of the park with Round and Round right off the bat. And it kind of, I, I think in, in, in uh, hindsight, it kind of stunted them. They didn't, they put out this album because they got picked up by a major label, but the major label picked them up on six songs. That was probably the, the, the max that they had. You know, finished, yeah, and all this, you know because that's what they put out. So now, now they're 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 doing club shows, probably on ten on the strength of ten songs, and four. You know, like one of the songs on the EP was a cover. So go figure, you know. And now you got you get pushed in the studio. Okay, come up with an album. Was like, oh shit, now we now what? This is what they got. They hit gold. I say hit gold, but they you know they they hit pay dirt. And got three million seller, so you know, good for them. Absolutely. I mean, the next album went double platinum, and the next album after that went platinum. So they had good songs, but all those albums were based on on the one single or, yeah, one or two diminishing singles the returns. I mean,
1: right. It's there's you can't tell me that Saint Anger sold as well as it did because it's a great album. You can, you can tell me that it
0: sold as well as it did because of the strength of Metallica's name. I'm telling you, it's sold because of how good it is. I'm telling you, you're listening to me, you're hearing it. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, well, that's enough for Rat for now. We're going to get back to them a little bit later. Um, we're going to turn it over to Docking now. Uh, and Docking, a little bit different kind of band, but it's still in the 80s glam metal scene out of LA. Um, this is their second album. Um, First album was Breaking the Chains, and then they had a a small hit in the United States with Breaking the Chains. They had um, some European success as well, because the album came out there in Europe before it came out here in the the States. Um, But this album, Tooth and Nail, is pretty much what put Dokken on the map. This album came out September 14th, 1984. It was produced by Tom Werman. It was released on Electro Records and recorded at Cherokee Studios in Hollywood, California. Tom Worman would become a big name in the 80s for some of these uh, really popular glam metal records that came out. And so that is a very uh, wealthy man himself. All right. uh, You want to go ahead and take
1: the lead on this one? Yes, sir. Um, so one thing I, I wanted to mention that is that there is a bit of a connection between rat and Dokken. And that's that one crossier, the bassist from uh, breaking the chains left Dokken to join rat. And um, this was the first album without him. So there is that, that interesting little connection there. Uh, that's right. I forgot about that part. So the, the album starts off with without warning um, it's a nice and simple building and mood-setting instrumental, um, with an awesome, effortless solo from George Lynch, and it just, uh, you know, kind of sets the stage
0: just right. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. it, it no, it's pretty cool, and I find it kind of unique if you if you really listen to it carefully. The, the clean guitar that comes in ha- is playing a particular riff It pl- and it continues to play that riff and continues to play the riff until the lead guitar solo comes in and the lead guitar solo, the, the mix changes and, and the riff goes down in the mix and the guitar solo comes up and it, almost disappears but it is there you hear it if you pay close attention you can still hear that clean intro riff playing but it's so far in the background because the guitar solo is right there in your face nothing wrong with that whatsoever it's a great solo from george lynch it so much so i actually think it's more of a haunting solo it's that it's a haunting instrumental piece um and it kind of blends itself to the to the name that they gave it without warning, because it, it it's it is haunting. But it's a cool way to start an album, and uh, it busts into the next song.
1: Yeah, I I didn't listen to it carefully. I listened to it recklessly. Um, so, <laughs> um. The next track is Tooth and Nail. The uh, That's so unlike you. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I listened... Uh, sorry. So the next track is... I didn't is, mean you. I know you listened to it carefully. I did. Um, <laughs> so track two is Tooth, Tooth and Nail, um, the the title track, and it rips right out of the, the slow build up of Without Warning, Without Warning. Um, so this track... Is about fifty percent catchy chorus and fifty percent solo, which is awesome <laughs> it's a it's a long solo it's a long solo and it's fantastic it's about half the song um Don has a bit more of his edge a bit more of an edge to his vocals than I normally kind of associate with Dawkin. I always kind of think of Dawkin as these weak um kind of soft vocals. I always, when I hear the riffs, I usually expect it like just some kind of like rasp or something to the vocals. And most of the time, it's not there. I would say on this track, it's a little more there. And, um, you know, I wish that was more of the norm throughout the career. But at the same time, we're specifically talking about this album, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he hits the high notes and it's just enough to fit the song, it doesn't go too much over the top um any more i don't think would have worked but it's a it's a good track
0: Uh, i i the way i put george's solo on this and and you can obviously you know attest to this he does his best eddie van halen impersonation because that's the one thing that not a lot of people realize that george is is up there in age at the time that this album came out he is well ahead of his peers as far as age is concerned, he's in his mid twenties, mid to late twenties at this point, where other guys are, you know, late teens, early twenties, coming out and playing guitar. Um, he was more of an age contemporary to Eddie Van Halen than he was to, let's say, Robin Crosby and, and Warren Demartini. Um, so he was already been he had already been playing for quite some time, and him and Eddie had had, you know, competition. Between each other in the LA metal scene, so the fact that he comes out on this on on this album first first song out and he does half that really lengthy guitar solo is all finger tapping, a la Eddie Eddie Van Halen, is a testament to to one his guitar playing two, to the fact that he doesn't give a shit and he's gonna I'm gonna I'm just as good as Eddie. Check this out, and uh, it's. It's it's an impressive and very good solo. I mean, I the fans that bought this album and put this in are are treated to a brand new guitar hero that they weren't expecting. I, I mean, it blows a lot of people right out the water. Um, and the song itself is pretty good. It's a catchy song, and like you said, I agree with you. Don is singing a little grittier than normal.
1: Yeah, I I mean I agree with you. Um, while at the same time, I. I don't think it was just something that like he's copying Eddie Van Halen or anything like that. He's just a really great guitar player.
0: Oh, I don't think he was copying him. I, I think because th- that was the thing they were, they were head to head. So they were doing a lot of the same things Yeah, and he was, he, he was just as smooth and just as good. Um, And I think, you know, he was, a f- since he was the same age, I, there was this thing that, well, you know, Eddie's already made it. You know, you think about it, they're, they're, they're really close in age and Eddie's already been around. In you know, 1982, they're, they're, or 1984, they literally put out 1984. This is their Van Halen's sixth album by this point. You know, and yeah. George is now working on the second. You know? So there there is a little bit of quote-unquote catching up to do, but at the same time, George is just doing what he does because he is an amazing guitar player. Yeah. I've, I think that's probably...
1: It's it's a valid um, analysis, but at the same time, it's just one of those things. Like, I I don't think he spent a bunch of time thinking about anybody else. I think he's just one of those guys that he you know he didn't get the notoriety um, that some of the other guitar players in his uh, that are his contemporaries may get. But I think you know maybe because of of Dawkins specifically not being quite as big as some of those other bands. But I, don't, I think he's a guitar player that should never be overlooked. All right. Absolutely not. So um, track three is Just Got Lucky. It's the second single off the album and starts off with a nice solo. Has a bit slower pace than Tooth and Nail. Um, the vocals are a bit cleaner. But uh, Don puts a small amount of rasp on the chorus, which works. Um, you know, at the midpoint and at the end. Uh, Lynch retreads his solo in intro and it took great effect and tying the song together. I don't like it as much as tooth and
0: nail, but I, I enjoyed it. Just got lucky is, is pretty cool because uh, the, the solo harmony, the whole thing, the harmony part of the solo is pretty cool because it, 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 it just mimics itself throughout the whole song mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, and it's extremely simple. It's just a few notes and it just, continues to play kind of over and over again um, it is simple in that f- effect um, and I see this chorus lending itself to being a very uh, call-and response type concert song um, you know it's it, it can it can easily because of those little you know those little breaks in the song or those each time that George comes in and does that just that little type of thing which I I really butchered right now Um
1: i wasn't gonna say
0: anything (laughs) i anyway (laughs) um it uh it it definitely lends lends itself to that kind of concert kind of song and i don't think it was necessarily meant that way but it it works out pretty cool that way so trackless trackless
1: (laughs) (laughs) so trackless four is heartless (laughs) art uh so track four is heartless heart um this one's a little simpler and slower paced in general. Um, you know, it's got a lot of gang vocals to fill the space and a really generic chorus. I would say personally, I didn't feel like there was much to speak of here. Um, no solo. Instead we get, you know, just before the two minute mark, it has a heavier gang vocal section with a main vocal melody. Um, This was the first track on the album that I just didn't really like that much. Uh, You know, I think one of the strong suits of Dawkin is those solos from George Lynch. Um, And I I just didn't really enjoy the the gang vocal approach here. It, It was all right. It just didn't do much for me.
0: It's weird I when I was listening to the song I was trying to write something about it and I could not come up with anything to really describe this song mm-hmm. um, the the heartless heart part in the chorus is, is very very basic um, but when you were when you were kind of describing what you thought it came to mind that what this album has and what makes this album good is that it is anthemic, the whole album is anthemic, each song is its own little anthem, um, because it's so catchy, because it's so melodic, Um, and this one, you know, it's not the best song on the album by any means, Um, it it is, like you said, very basic, and it, it is meant to be that kind of call and response type thing, not that, you know, that uh, they're, they're going to do that every single song, but you you know when you got anthems, um, there's a time and place in the concert where you just you know as a vocalist you put your microphone down or or you you put your arm down holding the microphone and the the crowd is the one cheering your chorus the crowd is the one singing along, and it overpowers you. This not that this is a great song not that gonna, they're going to play this song. In concert, all the time, or maybe at the time they did, you know. But I was, through time, it gets dropped off of the set. This is one of those songs in concert, probably during that year, that has got the crowd cheering or crowd, got the crowd yelling "Heartless, Heart Back." Um, but that doesn't mean it's a great song. It just means that it's kind of got a cool chorus to it, and that's about it. There Even are though songs it's that work Better
1: in a concert format than work on an album, um, right? And I've never been one of those guys that likes the call-and-response stuff, but, um, yeah, I get the appeal in that way. It's just not for me.
0: It's not you. It's not Chris.
1: (laughs) Um, It's not Chris K. (laughs) (laughs) So track five is Don't Close Your Eyes. Or don't close your heart if you have an early copy with the misprint on it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's that's funny. Uh,
1: So the pace picks up again uh, with a nice guitar riff. Uh, I wrote, Do takes the vocals, not Don. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Don takes the vocals down to that lower level to start things off, uh, but at least kind of keeps a small amount of rasp, um, you know, making up for kind of the lack of power um, you know, I mentioned that before there's, there's a time where I just feel like there's just not that, like that power behind the vocals and maybe it's different in a live setting and maybe the recordings just didn't capture it. I'm not really sure. Cause I've never seen doc in live. Um, but the main course I think is pretty good. Um, finally we get another George Lynch solo, which while being a little simplistic, it fits the song really well. So that's one thing that I know notice he he knows how to do too as a guitarist is he does know how to match the solo to the song. Because if you have a, like a really slow song sometimes you don't need that over the top solo. So and I don't mean slow, um it's more simplistic I think is what I meant to say. Um so um you know I wish it was maybe a bit longer, but it adds the spice it needs and it's pretty good overall
0: i like i like the song i like the chorus on this song um definitely like the guitar solo um you know it's it's one of these songs you know that's got mick brown playing all over the place and then it's a i don't know it's i there's a lot of coolness to the song that i like um but it is relatively simple song in that regards um I don't really have much else to say about it because <laughs> it, I like the song and that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. Succinct. Just got, got stuck there. Yeah, very succinct. All right. So track six is When
1: Heaven Comes Down. It starts off with a nice kind of bluesy riff. The slower, sludgy tempo adds some variety to the album's pacing. And the track is has one of the best and most soulful solos on the album. Uh, the bass also gets more of a feature here, um, you know, mostly just because it's used as an accent to the "When Heaven Comes
0: Down" vocal line. I like this slow chugger of a song. Um, it it's not the best song on the album, um, but it, there's something about it because it's a slow chugger, because it just plods along that is appealing um the bluesiness to it you know helps because you know people dig the blues but at the same time it's not a overtly blues song and it, it's slow it, it's definitely a change of pace it brings everything kind of like a reset almost and uh it, as as it i think this is the one that starts side 2 it does uh so yeah so it's it kind of resets and it just it it, it sets up everything else that's coming in the re- on the rest of this uh the rest of the album
1: yeah uh, i mean that's kind of indicative of the time of a of a side two opener was that it did need to feel like an opener as well so um that leads us into track seven the in or the track seven into the fire not the into fire um <laughs> You can't tell I'm tired, can you? Um, so, <laughs> Into the Fire is the lead single off the album, and for good reason. The song has power, a great riff, and some of the best vocal work on the album. Uh, the track was featured on the theatrical opening sequence uh, to A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, or just... I, it's not Part 3. Uh, and, and uh, A Nightmare on Elm uh, then the <laughs> The track was featured on the theatrical opening sequence to A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors which in my opinion is the best Elm Street film um, unfortunately it was replaced on the original VHS release so if you have that uh, and you don't remember the song uh, there's a there's a good reason why it was replaced but subsequently it was added back in and the solo is a classic George Lynch uh, um, you know but I uh, as always, I kind of wish it was a little bit longer. Uh, it's a great track, though.
0: I like this song, um, it, of course, because it's a single. No, I, it's a, it, it's a single for a reason. It's a good song. It it um mm-hmm. it is it's just it's catchy. Um, yes, the solo on it is amazing. I mean, it's just an awesome, awesome solo on this, and again it's anthemic now this is not necessarily call and response but it's anthemic and you you want to sing along to it
1: it's a sing-along you know? song it's it's right. yeah
0: it's not a call and
1: response at all
0: yeah and i they, let, me, let me you know that you say that sing-along some of the songs that i said are call and responses that's more about what it is it's sing-along you know you 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 have these songs like for instance here I go again is a perfect example. That is not a call and response song; it's a sing along song, and and that's kind of more along the the, the the term, or kind of more along the lines of what I was talking about. Yeah, when you sing-along. get to
1: the chorus, you're singing along with it every time. You may not know the rest of the words of the song, but everybody knows those chorus
0: words exactly. So that that's what this song is, and this is a great song. I love this song. This is a very very good song.
1: Alright, so that leads us into track eight, Bullets to Spare. Um, you know, it's it's an alright track uh, with a bluesy pedigree, especially the solo, which I'd say is one of the better ones. Um, you know, it's a simple chorus, riff, and lyrics, but it does have some varying drum fills with his knife, which is nice, not with his knife. I went Cody <laughs> Rhodes there for a second. Um <laughs> I'd say it's mostly filler, though it doesn't do a lot for me.
0: Um, it is a filler song, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's got a nice pre-chorus, you know, but I, I'm not big on this song whatsoever. I listened to it a couple times over the past week, and I was like, all right, you know, it's it's there. It, it's not bad, but it's not a standout. So I give it that much.
1: If you listen kind of in depth you can hear the drum work is kind of interesting, but that's the most I can really say for it. Um, so that takes us into track nine alone again. This is the third single off the album and to some degree the album savior. Um, and what I mean by that is it was kind of a slow seller, but 10 months after the album's release, this solo kind of helped it really attain its gold status. Um, don originally wrote the the song in 1975 or 1976 i guess he wasn't quite sure when um but you know he brought it back out when electric records told them that they had to have a ballad on the album and he reworked it with jeff pilson these are the Dawkins vocals i mostly associate with the band like low distortion clean vocals there is more power behind it in that you can hear kind of strength behind his vocals than some of the the other songs with the same effect to them but um you know it's it's got a really good solo it it's not one of my favorites but i I get why this was the the al- i mean the song that really helped it eventually achieve platinum but specifically hit that gold status
0: as quickly as it did all right so i disagree with you on the guitar solo i think i think this guitar solo is amazing um okay that's not much of a disagreement (laughs) no, no 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 i mean but i i think it's just absolutely amazing the the way that it 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 brings this song to another level in my opinion um so so in this year in 1984 um you've got a lot of things going on as far as glam metal is concerned as far as you know what eventually would become hair metal his Sister Stay Hungry um this album uh Dawkins Tooth and Nail Rat uh out of the cellar um i'm trying to think what else came out in 84 um uh queen's first album comes out this year in 84 there's a, a lot of things going on in in metal heavy metal twisted glam sister metal.
1: stay hungry van halen 1984 wasp halen. wasp uh, yeah bon mean, jovi
0: it is incredible what's Love coming out First seeing VOA. Which one? What was the last one? VOA. Oh oh Sammy Hagar.
1: Yeah. Animalize from KISS, Slide It In White Snake.
0: Um I mean it's a it's a crazy yeah. it, it's an amazing year um and th- uh, this is spinal and- tap from this is from spinal <laughs> tap so you and i talked about this we're we're, we're going to look into doing a, a series of episodes two or three about the 80s uh, and not just 80s metal but you know all the metal that 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 came out in the 80s um but one of the things that the, what i'm getting at with this in, in regards to the song is that the the record company wanted a ballad on this one this is the point at which ballads are starting to really make a difference in in an album um it, it
1: i want to say at the time it was capturing a different demographic because it was it was involving the female audience more and mm. at the time that was a necessity. So for the for the record sales,
0: yes. Uh, what, I'm, what I was trying to get at, however, is um, okay. So, Molly Cruise "Shout at the Devil" came out in eighty three. So it came out a few few months earlier um, in eight, or it came out in late nineteen eighty three. The single that really put it over the top was "Too Young to Fall in Love," which was their big uh, song on on "Shout at the Devil." then came um theater of pain in 85 the uh, that came out in the middle of 85 and obviously everyone knows that home sweet home is on that album so this there was a string of albums from all these glam metal bands and all these they all had that one song that was going to change the 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 album sales and Um, the point I'm trying to make with this and I'm drawing this out for unnecessary reasons is that um, the MTV really became a huge thing for uh, bands at this point. And so you had to have, you had to have your visuals. uh, So you had to have the big hair, you had to have the the raggy clothes, you had to have all that stuff, you know, the, the, the outfits. Um, And then you, you had to have some really good rocking albums, but you had to have that one tune that brought in the ladies and this song brought in the ladies and this song is to me, one of the best ballads of the eighties. Um, it, it is outstanding. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, Don doesn't know what the song's about, You know, he must have written it on a lonely night there when when his girlfriend left him or something, because it's just way too much of a heartbreaker to 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 sit there and say I don't know what it was written about. I mean, Um, maybe
1: his dog passed away.
0: I don't think so.
1: (laughs) Hey, for some people, you could could be right. I got to tell you, I've never had as much heartbreak as when my dogs have passed away. I I and I've been divorced.
0: So <laughs> you, you we're happy to get divorced <laughs> Anyway, um the solo like I said on this is amazing and it it brings it to another level. Like I said, um it and it just then it interplays um with the with the the pre-chorus and chorus as it goes towards the the, the back end of the song and that and that's another cool part about it. So um enough dragging on about this uh, this song it's a really good song um, and yes it definitely made this album at that point
1: so that takes us to the final track on the album uh, turn on the action the album closes with a fast paced rocker uh, the guitar riff is re- pretty re- cool um, and kind of dances around which I liked you know it d- doesn't stay stagnant it's, it's kind of going all over the place Um, the solo takes up a good part of the real estate here. The track honestly could have been about a minute shorter and been more effective, I would say. I think it's around four minutes and a half, if I remember correctly. And if it had been about a minute shorter, it would have been more succinct, a little better. Um, The vocals, I would say, are the weakest part here. Repeating, turn on the action, turn on the night over and over again. Um, you know, it's a decent closer. Has glimpses of greatness, but doesn't quite achieve it. It's
0: like um, in your direction, just over and over and over At again. At least he's got two lines here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this song, I, I like the song. It's it. It's got that that uh, that fast-paced blues thing to it. Um, but yes, it is. A, it's definitely the album closer. Um, but uh, it is it's definitely got a lengthy solo. It's um, no I, hallowed be thy name. No, it's no hallowed be thy name. Um, it's got a great solo, you know, and uh it's catchy, but you know, it definitely overstayed its welcome there by a minute or so. Um so if you you shorten the solo a little bit and you just head on out the door, you know, and, and you you you'd be done. But it's still a decent song. It's not I it's not a bad song by any means.
1: No, I just like I said, I think and I and I think you misspoke when you said shorten the solo. Um, I think the solo was fine, but shorten the song up a little bit. I, I, you know, like I said,
0: about a minute cut it down to 3 minutes, I think would have been good. Well, I mean, what I say by shorten the solo, like if you shorten the solo, it's not it's not that's not necessarily the whole reason to shorten the song you shorten the song until you give it a more succinct solo and everything would work out better but they you got a long solo so you drag out the song a little bit longer it's it's all like you know goes hand in hand type of thing they're holding hands i get what you're saying
1: i (laughs) I don't necessarily agree but i i get what you're saying i think i think you could have had half the song be the solo again
0: yeah no you (laughs) could have it's true
1: that was, that worked for uh, Tooth and Nail. So um, so overall, I think it's a good album. Uh, it's got some moments of greatness, but I wouldn't say it's like a 10 over 10 by any means. This is their second album, so they've got room to grow. Um, the vocals are better than what I would have thought, and there's some good variety, and most of the songs are pretty strong as a whole. I would say, in contrast to the way I felt about Rat, um, my impression of Dokken has improved a bit from reviewing this album. <laughs> so, so Rat went down in your book and Dokken went up? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think it's valid. I, I enjoyed, even though I didn't really like the, the, the Rat album that much, um, I enjoyed doing this
0: because it was something a little bit out of my wheelhouse. Fair enough. I like that. Um, you know, for me, the album, the album's great. It's one of the, the first Dawkins albums I had. Um, I, 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 remember listening to this a lot when I was younger driving around in my car. Um, so I got my car in 80, it was 86. Yeah. Summer of 86. I had my car. Um, so this is two years after this album. So I was listening to this album a lot. Um, and I was listening to docking a lot. You know, Dockin' was pretty big in the 80s, in the middle 80s. You know, Rat was pretty big. You know, for, for what it's worth, I mean, I was a big Rat fan at the time. I remember having a, one of their t-shirts, and it was one of those bootlegs that you get, and washing it and washing it washing it, it That the shirt began to disintegrate. And it I literally began to, like, I cut the sleeves off, and then it, it disintegrated so much that, uh, on the stitching i tied it together like in a knot so i had two knots on my shoulders to hold the shirt up i had no sleeves i had no neck it was just this it was just falling apart but i love the fact that it was you know an invasion of your i don't even know if it was invasion of your privacy or, at, or out of the cellar. i can't remember but i had that shirt for the longest time i imagine you you cut cut off the bottom so it was like a belly shirt Say so, because it was falling um, apart. <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't do that very often because I didn't like showing my belly too much. I did it a few times <laughs> in the 80s, but you know, that was just a thing to do back, the then. Thing back then.
1: <laughs> I was laughing because you're like, I got I got my car in the summer of 86. and I'm like, I got life in the summer of 86. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, so yeah, let's uh, um, so why don't you go first on the big four rat songs? And I'll well, go before, first on before the we, big we do that, we, we've ones.
0: obviously made it. Very plain as day that, <laughs> that Tooth and Nail is our preferred album in this head-to-head battle. Um, the, yeah, but, do I
1: need to say it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Um, all right, so we we didn't mention it in the intro, but this is a double Big Four tonight because we're going to do the Big Four Rat songs and the Big Four Dawkins songs. So you want me to do which one now? So why don't you go first on the Rat songs and then on I'll the go first songs. on the, uh, the Dawkins songs. Okay. Okay. All right. So my big four rat songs. Um, So there's three. They're they're all from different albums, which is pretty cool. Um, But there's three from one era and one song that is way out of their, um, their, the era that they were big in. So my number four song is a song called eat me alive off the infestation album that came out in 2010. I thought that song was awesome. Well, I think it, I still think it's awesome. It's a great song. The unfortunate part about that song is it's the best song on the album. The album tanks from there <laughs> and it's just like, what happened? But it's a, uh, it's a really good song. Uh, it, it is, a, it is a song that's very much in the style of rat at back from the eighties. So I'll give it that much. Number three, song called you're in love from invasion of your privacy. Um, I believe that was the first single off of um, Invasion of Your Privacy. Uh, Love the riff on that song. A lot to like about that song. It's a a little bit more of an up-tempo song compared to some of the other stuff. So that's part of the reason why. Up-tempo and a heavy riff. I like it. Uh, Number two, lack of communication from Out of the Cellar. Uh, We just talked about it. Um, It is... It, it, for, for what it's worth, for what I discovered tonight, it still doesn't detract from the fact that I really, really like that song. Um, and my number one rat, big four rat song is Body Talk off of Dancing Undercover from 1986. Um, I just, it just for me, I love that song. I just I have nothing else I can really say about it. It's a really cool song. Um, it was, fe- I forget what movie it was featured on. Um, that was from Eddie Murphy. Shrek. Uh, excuse me? Shrek. Uh no, that's not the one. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> it was it was The Golden Child. Uh as oh, well. Okay. That that song was featured on. Um so there you go. I just really like that song.
1: All right. Well, so my big four number 4 is The Morning After of Out of the Cellar That was one of the ones I did actually really like. I thought the pace and the vocal harmony kind of worked for it. Um, you know, gave it a little bit different dimension than some of the other stuff I heard. My (laughs) My number three is round and round. Um, it's a definite classic and there's no denying it. I think in a bubble, this is just an absolutely great track. Um, you really can't take anything away from it. It's, it's rat at their, their best in a lot of ways. Um, Number two, I liked Best of Me off of Infestation. It was the second track of the album. I think Stephen Piercy's vocals actually got better with age. Um, He has a little bit more dimension to the way he sings. Um, You know, he he sings more than one note, which I like. Um, And, you know, you said the album Tanks. I actually listened to it as a whole while we were doing this, and I thought it was pretty good.
0: I gotta listen to it again I say it tanks because You know I, I felt that For me at the time When I first put it on And I listened to it It didn't grab my attention This song grabbed uh, Or Eat Me Alive Grabbed my attention But Nothing else grabbed it And I, I could be wrong um, It wouldn't be the first time Don't say that out loud
1: But That's you know, that's kind of what we're doing here too Is that we You know We listen to these And give them a second chance And sometimes our opinion changes Absolutely so. My number one is Eat Me Up Alive, which yeah, I think you you said it wrong, um, but I wasn't going to say anything until it was time for mine. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's Eat Me Up Alive. Um, so this, I would say, the like I said, the band sounds better with this kind of more modern approach. I think Carlos Cavazos' guitar work is really good. Um, his solos are pretty awesome. And... Uh, infestation like i said i thought it was a pretty good album um you know for me the earlier stuff just doesn't resonate but um what i heard here i was i kind of ate my own words because like i said when i was originally doing this i i thought if i never hear rat again i'd be happy um but once i was looking for my big four tracks and i got to this album i was like hmm you know maybe this isn't the the album for everybody that's a rat fan but something about it worked more for me
0: yeah i i could totally i could see that and yes i i I stand corrected it is eat me up alive uh it's one of those there's only
1: a hundred songs called eat me alive so i can't (laughs) imagine why you would get that wrong i know right Like judas priest has eat me alive um you know um i'm trying to remember there's another song eat me
0: alive that i'm Blanking on, but yeah, yeah. There's a few of them out there, Um, but yeah, I was just in haste. I always do that, so no Um, worries. All right, so then that's going to bring us to Dawkins' big four songs. So why don't you go ahead and and do those first? All right, my number four is "Lightning
1: Strikes Again" off of Under Lock and Key. You know, it's a very eighties fist pumping song, and I'm all about tracks like this. I actually really like this one. Uh, My number three is Into the Fire. Uh, We just spoke about it a little bit ago, but it's linked to my favorite Freddy movie, and it's an awesome track. I'm not the biggest fan of A Nightmare on Elm Street as a franchise, but I really like the first three movies, actually first four movies a lot, Um, and the third one, even if you're not the biggest horror fan, it has kind of a twist to it. It's, It's a lot of fun, so I know we're not was explicitly talking about horror films but i think dawkin has this history with a nightmare on elm street that um they even did a recent um i don't know if it was an episode of a show or or uh like a mini documentary or something like that you talking about uh, don
0: and don and uh and uh, uh the Fred, actor um, yeah, robert england yeah, yeah i believe they did a, a podcast or they were interviewed for a podcast or something like that
1: yeah, it was, it's kind of cool. So there's this connection between Dokken and that franchise. So uh, My number two is Breaking the Chains, off of Breaking the Chains. Um, that was probably the first Dawkins song I ever heard, and that was from watching um, VH1 Classic, where they would play all the music videos back then. I don't think they do anymore, which is a travesty, um, but there used to be these big hour or multi-hour chunks of, of music videos that I would watch, much in the vein of MTV and its heyday. And um, I just thought this was a hilarious, you know, music video. There's a, them literally breaking the chains, but there's explosions every time they <laughs> break chains off the walls. And Don has his little, it almost looked like a karate gi. And then it turns out it's like a, a little mini bathrobe. When <laughs> he breaks out of the chains and stuff like that. I I don't know. It's it's campy and it's silly, but there's like this surrealist hallway that they're going through and it's just one of those things that's like linked in my mind intrinsically. Like I, I can't I can't uh forget it. And the song is good. So it like, it all works together and I, I just always enjoy it.
0: The funny and, thing, the fun, I'm sorry to interrupt you. The funny oh, no, thing fine. about breaking the chains is I bought that, I, I, I heard that song and I bought a KTEL vinyl greatest hits type of thing. Like one of those, you know, uh, back then, you know, it was the equivalent to, you know, um, uh, was it, what's that series that's out now? Um, uh, oh, I can't Now
1: remember. You Got Music or whatever? Yeah, they,
0: like it's something like that. Like, you know, Now You've Got Music 25. Well, this was more um, like those things, are, you know, Heavy Metal Wonders or sort of like Monster Ballads, you know? And gotcha. So a, it was, a sampler. Yeah, it was a sampler and it had Breaking the Chains on it uh, and that's the reason why I bought it. I was like, oh, I have to have that song because I couldn't find the album anywhere um, breaking because it was, at the time, I believe it was an import. Uh, so, mm. And, and then when it finally got into the states, it wasn't readily available. Um, but uh, it that album also had um, a Y and T record, mean, a song Mean Streak, uh, and that's the that's the reason why I know that song. So there you go. There's there's a little trivia there. Some that's of those how-
1: samplers actually were pretty good over the years. Like the the, the one I had was was called rock and the train kept a rolling <laughs> it was it was like a four disc or something oh and it had the, they're the cheesiest they were the cheesiest and i had gotten it through columbia house i think my mom got it for me and it was like a hit song from every year from like 60 to like 2000 something i guess it would have been around 2002 or 2003 oh wow and So, it was very eclectic, but I I just remember that because it was, like, the dumbest name (laughs) for a collection. (laughs) Um, But going back to uh, my number one, I picked Dream Warriors from Back for the Attack. Um, You know, uh, like I said, of of the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, films, it was my favorite. And Dream Warriors was the theme song to that movie. And it's just one that's always stuck in my head. Um, I i you know I'm not the biggest Dawkins fan, obviously, like I said, this was the first time that I listened to this album all the way through, but there are a few tho- a few thongs, a few songs I'm really <laughs> listening today, apparently um there's before you're songs. watching
0: something else,
1: <laughs> yeah, um so there's a few songs that that
0: you know I really enjoy, and um this is definitely one of them. Cool, um we actually have some crossover on this one um so we had we had one song crossover on rat um but on this one we have two songs that cross over um okay, and that's that's pretty cool because being f- from the fact that you know they do have a large catalog, but a lot of the latter day stuff doesn't really uh doesn't really um make it whereas like you know eat me up alive from rat um even though it's actually already twelve years old. It's it's a, that was a really good song.
1: I yeah, I I just think that Stephen Piercy gained um something with age f- with his vocals. Like there's a, there's a better, you know, like James Hetfield is a good example of his vocals changed with age, you know, because he went from kind of that raspy young voice to having more of a full adult voice i think to some degree that happened with steven piercey and maybe i don't know you know if alcohol was a factor or um smoking or anything like that because i don't know what he does i um, this is just a guess but sometimes that does affect the vocal cords, and um he has a more mature sounding voice on those new albums and it to me it sounds actually pretty good
0: fair enough i like that all right, well, my big four Dokken songs are as listed. Number four is your number one, Dream Warriors, um, from Back to the Attack, or Back for the Attack, excuse me. Uh, I, I, first of all, Back for the Attack, we're, we're going to talk about that album at some point. That's a great album. Um, almost, It's almost a front-to-backer if, you, if, if, uh, if you're into Dokken. I know you're not, but if you are out there
1: somewhere, I wouldn't say I'm not, it's just, it's one of those that I just never really listened to them before. So this was a good experience.
0: So we'll see. There you go. Uh, number three, uh, is into the fire. So that was your number three, uh, from tooth and nail. We just talked about it. Um, my number two song is from tooth and nail and it is alone again. I, like I said, I I have nothing I can say that's bad about that song. I, I love that song. Um, and I didn't go too far from i didn't stray from too many albums on this big four only because I really like these two albums, but my number one song is "Kiss of Death" from Back for the Attack that has just got a killer riff um it's an amazing way to open up an album, and i just i love that song there you go, my big four docking all right so um I was gonna ask you about this, so um I think. In the future, this is a good idea. And when we have head-to-heads like this with different bands, that we're going to put them uh, the big four kinds of things like this where it's a double big four. Okay. So that that's pretty cool. Um, instead of knocking our heads trying to figure out which band we're going to drop off the list and say, oh, yeah, okay, no, we're not going to do them tonight. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, that is... Our double big four with Rat and Dawkins songs, and that is a wrap on this episode. As always, if you want to hear more from us, click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app, and we'll be right there for you just about every week.
1: And don't forget to leave us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you catch us on YouTube, be sure to leave us a comment, or if you can, send us an email to debating metal at gmail.com. And remember to tune into the next episode where we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11.
0: See ya.